Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, brought to you by Snake River Stampede Whiskey, but we'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show, where the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Joined today, I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today with producer Martin. Martin, you got no uh, no byline on there, Just it's just Martin today. Yeah, just Martin. I'm feeling a little, keeping it simple this week after last week's game. There's a little bit of foreshadowing. Keep it simple this week is going to be the theme. But guys, nobody gives a shit what I have to say. We're all here to listen to the one, the only. It's Trevin Pixley, but better known as Treeb. You can find him as Treeb Talks on Twitter. He is the Idaho Vandals reporter for the Lewiston Tribune. Treeb, our right track guide. How you doing, man? I would completely disagree with that. I'm very, I'm very interested to see what you have to say, Dallas and Martin, if you pitch in. I, I was very excited to uh to bounce some bounce some things off with you, Dallas, today, because, you know, no no disrespect to the uh, self-proclaimed grandpa of the show, Brian, but, you know, the last couple of shows, it's been uh, me and Marceau going back and forth, so I'm excited to uh, to be here with you today, Dallas. Yeah, Brian uh, Brian had a little too much of the SRS today, so uh, thanks for stepping in for him. Guys, we're just going to jump right in. We are talking about the final week of the regular season, Idaho coming off of a 31-29 loss to Weber State, and got the Baby Bengals of Idaho State in the Kibbe Dome this weekend. But I want to start first, Treeb. Obviously, Giovanni McCoy did not look super healthy at the end of that game. Uh, took quite a few shots there against Weber State. Was limping on the sideline from some of the reports that we had from our, our fans and followers that were in the stands. How, what do we got on McCoy this week? You know, McCoy, he did look like he was limping around after that. I mean, he's questionable to go as of right now. But, you know, if Jack Lane is going to come in, he has experience against Idaho State, obviously being his only start um, as a quarterback. But, you know, Giovanni McCoy dropping back to pass 51 times, you're going to feel the effects of that. Yeah, so let's let's start first with Jack Lane. Obviously, Jack Lane played last year, got his first start against Idaho State. It's been a year now. Looks like, you know, again, if Vani is questionable, you'd say, uh, obviously, he's the guy to go if he's healthy. But yeah. if he's not, if he's not, if he needs to take a week off, like, again, what happened last year, Vani got hurt at the end of the year. Jack Lane had to come in and play the final game. What do you expect to see out of Jack Lane if he's the guy this week? So, you know, not much, uh, not as much explosion in the offense, I don't think, just based off of experience with Jack Lane, right? You gotta, you gotta run more of your, your simple stuff on offense if you gotta lay it out there. I think he's a good passer, right? From the stuff that you see in practice and in camp, you know, he has those flashes. He has those flashes like in the scrimmage, but, you know, in game action, you're really gonna kind of wanna condense the playbook to make him feel comfortable. And, you know, Anthony Woods, who's also questionable, but the coaches are optimistic that he's going to go. So you're really going to have to rely on Anthony Woods. And honestly, that is a huge part of what Idaho should be doing anyway in any given game that they play. So uh, expect a healthy uh, dose of Anthony Woods and Nick Romano. And uh, like I see in the chat, too, the offensive line obviously needs to play uh, very, very uh, just consistently in this one as well. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, obviously Tony Trees. Uh, I, I refuse to call him Anthony Woods now. I just call him Tony Trees at all times. Uh, Tony Trees obviously missed last week. You're saying the coaches are more optimistic that we're going to get him back this week? 
Yeah, yeah. I talked to Coach Jack yesterday, and he he seemed more optimistic about him being able to go this week. Um, and that that's huge for Idaho. He he goes. Idaho's offense goes as as Tony Trees goes. You know, I I like that. I like that you call him that. But that's a good little good little thing. But I think he's gonna. He's going to be a big difference maker in this one. He's a big difference maker for Idaho as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. you really look at games that they they've lost. I mean, I wrote it in the, the my columns and and just previews in general. I mean, if they're not feeding him, you know, they're losing ball games or they are very very close to losing ball games, and they they need to feed that man. Yeah, uh, Anthony with 16 carries, 122 yards last year against Idaho State. Jack Lane, by the way, went 18 of 29, 255 yards. Touchdown and a pick, and then took one sack in that game. Uh, I, for anybody that doesn't remember the box score, Idaho won that thirty-eight to seven in what was Charlie Raggle's final game. So let's kind of push forward to Idaho State a little bit, Tree. Then we'll circle back to to talking Idaho and playoffs and everything that this means. Let's talk about this week's opponent and give them at least a couple minutes here before we move on. So last year, Charlie Raggle comes to Pocatello, has one single year there, goes one and ten, one and seven in conference. There's a lot of shit, a lot of shit, yeah. most of which I don't necessarily think was wrong. I think the, the way he went about it, that was wrong. Uh, and obviously just bailing after one year to become the uh, the associate head coach and special teams coordinator at ASU kind of left uh, left Idaho State in a pretty bad spot. They Some ended big up big sky shit right there. Really, it honestly <laughs> is. Big sky shit is the way to explain that. And then we get into more big sky shit. The two f- finalists for the job are Cody Hawkins, offensive coordinator at UC Davis, and then Portland State's head coach, Bruce Barnum. Uh, they go with Cody Hawkins. They've improved their three and seven on the year. They have wins over Northern Colorado, eh, number 22 at the time, Eastern Washington, and then also beat Portland State. And then their mutual opponents with Idaho, they beat Northern Colorado and Eastern just like Idaho did. They lost 28 20 to Montana. 51 to 16 to Sac State, 33 21 to Weber State. So, Treb, with a little bit of background there on on the Bengals, what can you tell us about those guys? Yeah, I think they're an improved football team. I think there's no doubt about that, especially offensively. Um, I think through the air, they really kind of rely on big plays, and Idaho defensively against Weber State kind of you know, allowed those big plays. But other than that Weber State game, they've kind of been good defensively of not allowing those splash plays. But Idaho State kind of, you know, relies on those uh, big opportunities offensively. And, you know, I think that's where they've made the biggest strides. But when they've played against, you know, the the better upper half of the big sky, you know, they've, they've struggled, obviously, playing Sacramento State. I think that's the biggest outlier in this game where it kind of shows that Idaho should have an opportunity – to run away with this one is just by how dominant uh, Sac State was able to uh, perform against Idaho State. Yeah, when you look at Idaho State statistically, not a team that you'd think lines up particularly well with Idaho. Obviously, Idaho not great. Uh, Brian Marceau from the research department commenting in to say Idaho is minus seven turnovers this year. Yeah, Um, Obviously, those types of things are not going to help win football games. But you look at Idaho State, they score just under 26 points a game. But Idaho has been gashed running the ball. Idaho State averages 2.7 yards a carry, averages 60 yards a game, the worst running attack in the conference. But with all that to say, they are the top passing attack in the in the country, or ex- excuse me, in the conference, one of the top in the country. They have 337 yards a game, have a two-quarterback system. gets kind of weird there. 
Jordan Cook being the guy that throws the ball all over the place. Do you think that Idaho State has a chance to shred up Idaho's secondary, or do you think this looks like, hey, Idaho's biggest weakness is run defense. Well, Idaho State can't run the ball. This is pretty clean cut and dry. Well, you know, Idaho's secondary against Weber State, that was a – you know, a quarterback in Munoz that I think was, you know, up and coming and he comes out and has probably his best game. I mean, he didn't throw as many passing yards, but he he has these completions down the field that set up scoring drives and that, you know, set up big opportunities for Weber State. I think Idaho State's in a very, you know, similar situation. And Idaho, these young defensive backs like Andrew Marshall or Marnie Arnold, they had some of their worst games uh, last week against Weber State. They're going to have to bounce back. They kind of finally started to look like freshmen uh, against the Wildcats. But, uh, you know, other than that game, they've looked really, really solid. So they just need to kind of, you know, look at what went wrong in that game. And if they perform well um, and kind of play to the caliber that they had all season, this should be a long game for the Bengals. But if they resort and go back to how they play like against the Wildcats, you know, it it could be it could be an upset in the works. I'm not even going to lie. It's, It's up there. Yeah, that's the that's kind of the thing. You when you live and die by the pass, sometimes you again you can hang with with teams, or other times you get absolutely shellacked again, like Sac State just recently did to them. Uh, so Jordan Cook, twelve touchdowns, twelve interceptions, completing under sixty percent of his passes, but does have uh, quite a handful of yards in there. Hunter Hayes is the guy that plays as well. He's been in the system for a couple of years. He does lead the team in rushing. Where he has fifty seven carries between his his actual carries and his sacks. 228 yards and five touchdowns. When you get into looking at the running game, their top running back averages less than five carries a game. And their second and third guys average less than five carries between the two of them. This is going to be a team that is going to throw the ball all over the field. They have four receivers in the top 10 catches in the big sky. Uh, Sheedon James is the guy that's their leader. Uh, He's a 5'8 sophomore that only trails Hayden Hatton in yards and is above Hayden Hatton in both receptions and touchdowns. Uh, He's 92 catches, eight touchdowns, 900 yards, having a heck of a season. They've got three guys behind him that are, again, the other starters. They pretty much just roll out four wide like it's an air raid offense. And truly, honestly, all four of those guys in the top 10 in catches. So, guys, you're going to see Idaho State throw the ball a lot, which is probably going to keep them in this game if Idaho can't get to the quarterback. That's, That's the biggest thing, yeah, hitting that. Uh, I mean, Keyshawn James Newby, this is going to be a big game from him. I mean, a Pocatello kid and, you know, Idaho's biggest pass rusher. I mean, they need to get after the quarterback. That's the biggest thing because Idaho State, just they're, they're not going to run the ball. You basically hit it. And, you know, the secondary has looked really good. They have the most efficient pass defense in the big sky and the pat, top pass defense in the big sky period. So, you know, if they just play to the caliber that they have played, against really the bottom of the big sky like they always do this should be you know a blowout game yeah i mean everything on paper is that idaho is clearly a step ahead i know that mclean westbrook and the the jungle land guys and the you know the jungle twitter accountant they all obviously are gonna you know smack their shit but you look at the offensive line They've allowed 29 sacks, worse than the conference, which, again, when you're throwing the ball on almost every play, that's going to happen. But they have trotted out three freshmen and a sophomore and then two seniors that are guys that have played in more than half the games. Like This is a very young offensive line that they are going to ask a lot of. This is not a, again, 
not an offense that's particularly efficient. They don't score a ton of points, but there's there are recipes here for again 337 yards passing. If if those young corners in Idaho's secondary don't step up and don't recover from what happened last week, this could be a bad this could be a bad one, Tree. It could be a bad one, but if Idaho's offense can score points, you know, that's that's the thing is Idaho's offense is so it has to work with its defense, right? It's it's kind of a it's a it's a dance, right? You know, I mean they build off each other. That's just how football works. But if Idaho can can just do what it does well, right? Like why can why can't they do that? You know, if they could just do what they do well, and that is have long sustained drives, have a have four 10-minute drives in there where you just score touchdowns. And Idaho State, it doesn't matter how many times they pass the ball. They just won't have time on the clock. And when they run with that philosophy, that's when they're the most dominant. And that's when Anthony Woods gets the most touches. That's when he gets the most yards. And that's when they win games. And, you know, when they get ahead of themselves, when they fall behind that, you know, they they get far away from who they are. And that's when they lose games. So this Idaho State game has kind of that trap written on it if they fall behind early, but they, they just can't get away from their identity. And I think that's what's kind of cost them in a lot of games this year, even games that they've won, you know, games that were way too close for comfort for a team that's considered a top five team in the nation. You are muted, Dallas. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've done that. Uh, so we're going to get into that. A quick look at the Idaho State defense. They have 14 sacks on the year, second to last in the conference. They're second to last in points per game, second to last in yards per game. Like this is not not a terrifying defense. There are some really big names here that are are guys that are doing really well statistically in the conference. Calvin Pitcher and Mason Young, their two safeties, are third and sixth in the in the conference in tackles. Uh, they've got two defensive linemen, Cortland Horton and David Rowe, that combine for half of their sacks. So they have a couple guys that are going to be the the names that are making plays. Uh, they're even their corners, Josh Alford and Tyler Bohannon are both in the top 20 passes defense, both guys right there on the edge of having double digits uh, between their interceptions and pass breakups. But again, this is just kind of that empty stats because we're talking about the 11th scoring defense in the league. Dreep, is this a game that you think Idaho is going to get back to what they do? You mentioned in your article, Idaho is throwing the ball a ton over the last three games, which coincidentally, or, you know, the last three or four games, which coincidentally are some of the worst games they've played this season. Yeah, they need to. I mean, I think Jason X kind of, you know, he's, he's a good coach, right? He's, he's the coaching staff is one of the best in the FCS. There's no doubt about it. And I think he, he's one of those guys in post game. That's quick to admit when there's like a coaching issue or where he's messed up. And I think, he knows that there's times this year where they've gotten away from their identity. And I think with them having seven wins, you know, the possibility Giovanni McCoy is questionable, you know, you might have a backup quarterback in there that if Anthony Woods is healthy and ready to go, you know, maybe if he's still a little dinged up, you know, sub in Nick Romano a little bit more than you have been, you know, this is a good opportunity to get back to who you are, establish the run game, control the clock, you know, and get a turnover on defense for God's sakes, get a turnover on defense. You know what I mean? Like just get back to who you are. You are muted once again, Dallas. 
It's just the constant thing today. Today is just not my day. Guys, we're going to get back into Idaho football in just a second, but let me tell you about Snake River Stampede Whiskey. It's inspired by and produced in conjunction with one of the largest rodeos in the world, the Snake River Stampede, which is in the lovely Nampa, Idaho. This whiskey is created to pay homage to the great American cowboy. It's a blended grain whiskey. It's got a mash bill of 10% rye, 80% corn, and 10% malted barley. It's aged four years in first fill bourbon barrels and then six months in Oloroso sherry, excuse me, Oloroso sherry barrels. I almost said caskets and it totally threw me off. It's very smooth. It's sweet caramel. It's cherry. It's very light, very approachable. And they say it's best enjoyed around an open fire and under the stars in the sky. But I know that's not true because if you talk to Brian, the best way to enjoy SRS is with a Vandal victory. Hopefully we're going to get one of those this weekend. And if you get one of those this weekend, maybe Idaho gets a seed. Maybe it's time to break out the 1915 limited edition 100th anniversary whiskey. Maybe we we crack into the good stuff. But again, for all your alcohol needs, guys, SRS whiskey. Bart Holt shouting out. He's got a shot of it in his hand right now. I know Brian, again, because Brian couldn't be here because he had a little too much of the SRS. But if, if the Vandals pull off a victory... SRS time. If the Vandals lose, it might be double SRS time. Yeah, guys. double SRS. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tree, you mentioned it. Gotta get back to the running game. That's what it sounds like. the 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 big plan is, uh, as Martin is jumping in uh, with the the graphic here, getting Idaho back on track. So, Tree, I'm going to bring this up because I know that Roger Dorn is hanging out in the comment section to get Idaho back on the right track. What are your three strep three streps three strep throats to success? What are your three steps? to success here getting back on the right track tree uh first of all they gotta get back to something that i've already mentioned you know a million times already it's just having long drives i mean they they were great at doing that last year and there were flashes of it uh in some games this season but they've really gone away from it and there's been times in games like montana state for example i could think of you know, a couple of drives where they held the ball for a long while. That 19-play drive, I believe, came in that Montana State game. And, you know, they held the ball for a long time, 19 plays, scored. You know, they they get, they can't just have one drive like that a game. You know, they need to piece those together, hold the ball for a long time, and they have the talent, the players, to do it. Uh, step number two, offensive line needs to play better. Um, I mentioned in my column that they've kind of been the, the scapegoat this season. You know, people have been – kind of trash in the offensive line and you know by people I kind of mean you know me in a sense because you know not a whole you know the tubs of the club community a little bit you know they don't get that much coverage but the offensive line you know allowing those sacks but they are a young group there's been some injuries but you know just consistency needs to be there and even when they've been good they haven't been great you know they haven't been even really good you know the standard of good is good with as many freshmen and sophomores that are out there that they have. I think that that group can potentially improve to be one of the best groups in the big sky. If they could, you know, be together for a long time, kind of go through those lumps. But as of right now, they're kind of dealing with what they have. And defensively, you know, just, just get a turnover. It's going to, it's going to present a lot of off uh, opportunities for it. They're going to be passing the ball, you know, all game long. They're not going to be, running it as you said so the ball's going to be in the air they they get a ton of pass deflections a ton a ton of opportunities to get the ball they just never come down with it 
Um, so they, they really need to get a turnover. I mean, having a minus seven turnover differential. I mean, I, I bring it up like almost every time I write an article. I mean, it, it is crazy. The, the night and day difference from where their defense was last year at creating turnovers, that being the, the biggest thing to where they are now. And, and you know, in, in some sense, their secondary right now is almost better than it was last year. You know what I mean? So it's, so it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing, but those, those will be my three things. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention to uh, getting off the field on third down. It's one of those things that I've noticed Idaho's struggled with a lot recently. Uh, the, the underlying numbers are not particularly good, but it's gotten worse over the last few weeks. One of those things that is, is not really a recipe for success when you're not forcing turnovers and you're not getting off the field on third down. Uh, but tree, who do you think is the guy that might might finally break through and get some of those turnovers? Again, we're going to see Idaho State probably chuck up at least 50 passes. you got to think at least one of them is going to get picked off. If you had to take a bet, who's the guy that does it? Well, everybody's saying Tommy is due, and I think, you know, if, they, if there's anybody that's, you know, bound to get a turnover, it'd probably be Tommy. But, you know, a, a kid that I think deserves to get a turnover is X-Ray Alexander. Cause that that kid is all over the field. He's he might be Idaho's best defender this year. At least he he's up there, you know, with some of them. He's he's had a stellar year, and I think if anybody's going to kind of, you know, get that big turnover in this one, it should be him. Obviously, Marcus Harris had that turnover against Northern Colorado, but you know, maybe a multi turnover game for Idaho would even kind of you know, boost some confidence because even when they've gotten, you know, one turnover in a game, it's kind of been forgetful because of how bad their turnover margin really is. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It, it, it kind of just gets forgotten about because across the body of work, obviously Idaho is just not, not getting the turnovers that they did last year, but Treep. So we're, we're talking here. Okay. We got to get, got to get a couple turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. If the turnovers don't happen and if, Tony Trees isn't able to play. And if Giovanni McCoy isn't able to play, and if some of the offensive linemen aren't going to come back and you're talking second string quarterback, second string running back, you're down to again, third, or maybe even fourth center, depending on if Vining is able to go, you're pretty ravaged across that offensive line. Obviously the skill positions are, are doing great. Hatton's out there. I think I'm assuming tra- uh, trainer took a shot in the back of the head, slammed it against the, the grass. I'm assuming. He's okay, doubtful. he's doubtful this week. Okay, yeah. so you've got Hatton, you've got Jackson. I'm assuming Dwyer can step in at number three pretty easily there. You've got the skill positions. What What's the worst-case scenario for the Idaho offense here if those guys are injured? I think they, they it's still competitive. You know, I, I don't think there's a, there's a world where Idaho State blows the doors off of Idaho or anything like that. I don't even... I think even if all that happens, Idaho is still the favorite, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds. Um, when it, when it comes down to it, it, it comes down to coaching, right. And, and Kojak and Schleisner, they just, they just need to dial up long possessions and they need to get those turnovers on defense. I mean, all those players are going to be out and 
things like that. But I mean, you know, you mentioned if that, I was kind of just thinking about if all the skill players aren't out, but if the turnovers don't happen, I mean, they just, they need to cash in on those long possessions. And like, like everybody said too, I mean, turning those field goals that Chavez is hidden, granted that's, that's great that Idaho has a kicker that can convert those. They need to turn those field goals into touchdowns and just make sure that if you're not getting turnovers, you're securing tackles. Cause that's another big thing. Idaho has, has struggled with big time. Yeah, the uh, the yards after catch and the uh, yards after first contact were not great numbers for Idaho last week. Pretty uh, pretty rough. I think that's one of the things our comment section is obviously exploding about right now is tackling has been a, a very large issue this year. I don't know that that's going to fix itself uh, magically here in the final game of the season as it has been a consistent year-long issue, but you're hoping against a, a team like Idaho State, you know they're going to be throwing the ball Yes, you're going to have to obviously fill the run gaps, but when you know they're not going to run the ball very much and they're just going to chuck it all over the field, hopefully that's going to allow guys to tackle a little bit better when it's not guys running at full steam. It's hopefully guys take a catch and hopefully get lit up immediately. So, Tree, you've mentioned, hey, Idaho should still be the favorite here. Idaho should, on paper, win this matchup. Uh, again, uh, I know McLean is probably in the comment section. Uh frantically telling me that i'm wrong but i mean we're talking about a three-win team that's maybe idaho state's best team in what feels like a decade uh and then we're talking idaho who should be going to the playoffs no matter what with the resume that they currently have even if they lose this game so let's talk about the the playoffs and and kind of what idaho needs to do to position themselves um i know you're not a a, nationwide fcs reporter i certainly am not so again this could all be completely wrong, but right now Idaho's the number six team in the country. You know that Montana and Montana State are playing against each other above Idaho. If Montana State wins that game, obviously Montana State jumps Montana, but Montana has the victory over Idaho. Bumps Idaho down into clear-cut number three team in the big sky. If Montana, I can't believe I'm saying this. If Montana wins this game, which we should all be hoping for, Montana establishes themselves as the clear number two team in the country. Montana State theoretically falls behind Idaho, and Idaho could still get a seed, but that's only if Idaho wins out. If Idaho loses out, we're probably not going to see that bye game. We might not even get a home game in the Kibbe Dome, but if we do, it's at the end of Thanksgiving weekend, and it's going to be a dead environment. Treep, do you have any thoughts, any feelings, one way or the other, on FCS playoffs and what Idaho's got to do here? I mean, they got to win, you know, point blank. I mean, that's that's all they have to do. But I mean, from from my perspective, I just think that Idaho deserves the seed. I think from from what they were able to do, their body of work from the beginning of the year. They deserve to have that bye week. They deserve to have a home game. I think just not only from, you know, what they've been able to do on the field, but just with the fan engagement, right, getting two sellout crowds after, you know, just decades of being awful. You know, I I hate to say that, but, you know, just decades of but it's true. Struggling, struggling for you guys and, and turning it around that quickly. I mean, that that would be huge. And, a win's big and Montana wins big. So, you know, there's a good story there, but, you know, like you said, I'm not an FCS analyst. So, you know, I don't really know how the bracket's going to shake up or 
you know, what's going to happen at the end of the day. I'll be there for the selection show at the uh, lighthouse suite. So we'll uh, be filming the reactions for that, but you know, that's what I think. I think they deserve it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So again, guys, we will see what happens uh, realistically when you're looking at the playoff schedule here. Uh, you've got Montana and Montana state this weekend. Obviously that's going to impact Idaho in some form or fashion. Uh, South Dakota State should not lose to Missouri State. Furman should not lose to Wofford. South Dakota will not lose to Western Illinois. So most of the teams ahead of Idaho are going to get wins no matter what. They're pretty weak schedules at this point. So then you're looking at number seven, Delaware, who is currently right behind Idaho, playing number 12, Villanova. I don't know what's going to happen there, but there's a th- obviously if Delaware gets the win, they – could certainly bump up over Idaho, and they honestly they might they might be able to say they should. If Villanova beats Delaware, do they jump all the way up over Idaho? I don't know. Then you go down to Albany; they're playing Monmouth. Probably not going to lose that game. North Dakota State, Northern Iowa is a big one. That's team number ten. North Dakota State against Northern Iowa, who's trying to get into the playoffs. So that might have something to do with Idaho. North Carolina Central, nobody cares. And then you have Sac State, UC Davis, Sac State being right behind Idaho. If they win that game and Idaho loses, you'd think Idaho would still be able to hang on based on the head-to-head matchup, but it would be Sac State's eighth win. All of this to say, guys, losing to Weber State last week was about the worst thing Idaho could have done for their playoffs because now nothing is in control. Patty Frakes in the comment section saying, I'd be very surprised if we weren't a seed. So I really hope Patty's right. Patty's our big FCS expert around here. But right now, guys, you got to look across the FCS and you just got to hope a bunch of things break Idaho's way. Obviously, all Idaho can control is the win against Idaho State this weekend. Yes, you heard it here. Idaho's win against Idaho State this weekend. I'm very very surprised that Idaho is kind of in this position right now. Like, you know, you tell me at the beginning. Well, okay, maybe not at the beginning of the year, but, you know, after their their non-conference slate, like, and really after – the Montana game, I, I thought they were in firm control, but now they're they're kind of in a similar position to where they were last year. It was the seventh win was Idaho State, wasn't it? That was that's what it came down to last year. Yeah, so one win ahead of where of where things were last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's very surprising to me. I mean, did did you expect after that Idaho would be in this position at the end of the year? I mean. It depends on when you're asking me that question. If you were to ask me that at the beginning of the season, I thought this was an optimistic place for Idaho to be on the edge of seeding. If you ask me this three weeks ago, I think, damn, Idaho's the number two team in the country, and they're going to be playing South Dakota State in at the end of the year. Sweet. Yeah. And then obviously that's not what is happening right now. Uh, obviously would still love to see South Dakota State, uh, hopefully in the finals and not in the quarters. But uh, no, honestly, if you ask me, at any point in the last month of the season, did I think Idaho was going to be having to hope and pray for a, a seed? Definitely would not have thought so. Um, Tom Kendall jumping in to say, seems like youth and depth is hurting us at the end. It's what it feels like to me. Well, and it seems like at the, like at that point, like a month ago, that youth and depth was a strength. That's, that's the confusing thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if like just the film, like, right. That, that they're, they've been, they've been shown up so much on film that, these coaches now have seen more of what these young kids can do. And now they're figuring out how to attack these guys, which I'm sure that's a hundred percent what it is, right. You know, the, 
I'm sure that's what it is, but that that's crazy how that flips in such a quick time in uh, college football. All right, guys, I think we're getting close to score predictions. It is about 35 minutes into the show. Treb, do you have any final thoughts on Idaho before we move forward? Uh, no, I, I was thinking about something witty. I was going to say one more thing on uh, Idaho State, though. I think that they are on the right track. <laughs> God damn it. I was waiting for that. It was perfectly timed, Treb. Before we get into score predictions... If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. You can camp on pristine beaches, or you know Brian's favorite use of that word, we could run amazing whitewater. You could hike scenic trails. There's wildlife to spot. There's obviously plenty of beautiful natural hot springs to hang out in. And again, guys, like I always say, the most remote stretches of river in the country. Just bring your clothes. Let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Nick Weber here. Uh, Treeb MVP. Okay, Love that. You know. uh, Roger Dorn, I'm, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with this. Until you get on the right track, you're just going to have to deal with listening to this. So, Martin, I want to bring you back in here because I always like to send you first. Idaho, Idaho State, which is no longer, interestingly enough, guys, no longer listed as the Battle of the Domes on the schedule online. Uh, used to have that nice big Idaho Central Battle of the Domes logo, and it's gone now. Hmm. So, yeah, just you saying. think you think Spud? I'm just saying, yeah, Spud. You think it's the return? I, I mentioned it in my notes today. As I said, Battle of the Domes, but everybody <laughs> wants it to be the Spud, so maybe I teased it. We're hoping we're we are hoping it's going to be the King Spud game at some point in the how, near how future. Heart, how heartbroken will will the fans be if the Spud comes back and Idaho State beats Idaho? Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> that, that, sorry, that, sorry, I didn't mean to do that to y'all. <laughs> not something I want to think about. Um, especially that, because... that would be the okay. I, I hate to do this to y'all because I, I love y'all. I love the community. I love I love Idaho. I love you guys. But imagine a season where Idaho misses out on a seed and they lose the little brown stein and the king spud at the Kibbe Dome. That would be a terrible, terrible season. As uh, beloved Taylor Cash writes in the comment section, I I'd be that. mashed. <laughs> Martin, that's enough filibustering from us. Yeah, sorry. Prediction: Idaho, Idaho State. Uh. Make it an audible in my prediction on the dis on the outline. I'm gonna go Idaho 35, ISU 20. Two touchdown victory. Love that. Treb, what you thinking? I'm gonna go Idaho 28, Idaho State 17. 28 17 from Treb. Hitting the comment section real quick. Captain 58 34 21. Idaho's got the home cooking going. Uh, let me scroll farther here. Duffer's Tavern, 31-21. Uh, 
Vandals win King Spud. Bart Holt 35-21. Tom Kendall 38-24. Crew had 76-35-17. Brian Marceau 31-21 Idaho. I'm going to have to go 27-20 Idaho. I'm getting closer to Treeb's thoughts there. <laughs> we are we are not looking like Idaho is going to get into the 30s anytime soon. Been a while since Idaho's cracked that 30-point margin. And yeah, especially really oh sorry, go ahead, Treeb. Oh, I was just gonna say it really has. I, I didn't even think about it until you until you said it. Yeah, Idaho just has not clicked fully offensively, and we're talking banged up Tony Trees. We're talking maybe Jack Lane comes in and plays. Maybe the offensive line is beat up. Uh, Roger Dorn seventeen ten. Steve Kurtz forty five fourteen. Brian Kennison forty two twenty one. Nick Nick sixty three to six. Idaho crew at seventy six, changing it to uh, thirty eight twenty one. Uh, oh no, sorry. That is the uh, Boise State prediction, thirty-eight twenty-one for Utah State. Love that crew head. Uh, Patty Frakes. I could see us rolling. Not gonna lie. Really hope that happens. Again, I believe in Jack Lane. I think he would do a great job running the offense. I also obviously want to see a fully healthy Giovanni McCoy run out there and hopefully hang sixty on the the baby Bengals. But just haven't seen that recently. It's tough to predict that Idaho could get into the 30s. It just hasn't happened in, unfortunately, way too long. But so it would be a good time to break through that streak. Hopefully get yourselves a bye, get healthy, and then go run through the playoffs. Guys, we're going to hit the most important game of the schedule first because you know that's how I like to do things. Top five Portland State at Northern Colorado. Portland State. I I uh I wrote we do a like around the around the big sky thing here where we do like little little blurbs for like each matchup. And I it was Cal Poly against Northern Colorado and I said like you're you're a sicko if you're you're watching this one. And uh I think this one this one's up there too. I'm going to go Northern. I'm going to say I'm going to say get a dub. Get a dub for them. Treeb has Northern Colorado on the right track for the first time this season, getting a victory. Love that prediction. Uh, Brian and I are both on Portland State, as is the entire comment section. Uh, comment section. A shout out to Captain Fifty Eight, Portland State, cementing their top five ranking. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is verging on sicko territory. Portland State is just as mediocre as mediocre can be, always have been, and really probably always will be. And Northern Colorado is just not fun at all. Uh, you get on the right track this week, though. But again, yeah. talking about Colorado getting on the right track, that could be uh, multiple things getting on the right track there, Martin. Ah, anyways, that was just an extra joke for Roger Dorn because uh, the life has been wrong before. <laughs> beloved Zach Kloss now being uh, in the state of Colorado. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that because we're talking about fun things and good things like Vandal football. Next up, guys, NAU at Eastern Washington. Another game that really doesn't matter much this week. Eastern. I'll, uh, I'll pile on with that. I'll go Eastern, too. That's a clean sweep from the Tubbs and Trebe crew. All four of us saying Eastern. Uh, yeah, I, I, got, I got nothing about NAU. It's a program that I'm also just done with. Uh, Chris Ball's regime needs to just end. I know that they're just trotting out all these freshman quarterbacks, but... For every RJ Martinez you hit on, you have a rest of a roster that just doesn't do much. It, 
who cares about NAU winning four or five games a year? It's what Idaho was stuck in in the Petrino era, and nobody cared about Idaho under Petrino. So, uh, hell, most of the fan base didn't care about Idaho under Petrino, as you can see that obviously the crowds have started to slowly come back now that Eck has saved the program. The whole comment section saying Eastern, except for Nick Weber saying NAU, who also asked if we can make PSU-UNC a relegation game. Uh, no, Nick, we can't do that. I'd rather send both of them out. Uh, next game, guys, another barn burner here that everyone's going to care about. Weber State at Cal Poly. Uh, I got the fighting barbecues of Ogden, Utah. Weber State by a million. Yeah, uh, Brian and I both saying Weber as well. Guys, Cal Poly is terrible. Um, honestly, since we branded them Coward Poly in the spring season, they have done nothing to to shed that nickname. Uh, really hoped that Bo Baldwin was going to turn that program around. Obviously, he left just like Charlie Raggle did for the bright pastures of the Pac-12, now soon to be Big 12 or wherever the hell Arizona ended up. And Big Arizona. 12. Thank you. Arizona and Arizona State in the Big Arizona and Arizona State in the Big 12. Whatever. Don't really care. They're moved on. Cal Poly's terrible. Weaver's going to win this game. Now, guys, to the last two games, which are unfortunately the two most boring games on the schedule. Uh, again, I'm being extraordinarily sarcastic about that. This game actually really does matter. Sac State at UC Davis. To quickly recap, again, this is the Causeway Classic. This is their big rivalry game. It's at UC Davis this year. If UC Davis wins, they get to that magical seventh win and might get into the playoffs. They would hold Sac State at seven wins, and then Sac State doesn't really have much of a resume outside of their FBS win over Stanford. This is where things can get weird. UC Davis wins this game. Maybe both teams miss the playoffs. Sac State wins the game. They're obviously into the playoffs. This is where things could get spicy. Land Larison is back. Uh, shout out Patty Frakes. I'm sure he's going to drop that in the comment section because he has to remind everyone that because it's a very important thing to remember. UC Davis looked absolutely terrible without Land Larison, and now that he's back, he might be the best running back in the conference. Anyways, with all of that lead up, Mark. Davis. Sneaky Aggies. I'm not that impressed by Sac State. I haven't been all year, to be honest with you. And I'm gonna go Sac State, though. I know, I know, I just said that, but I'm still, I'm gonna hold, I'm a hold true to it. <laughs> so hey, Sac State. I respect it. Again, talking back to back to back, Big Sky champs. There, obviously, a little bit more of a down year this year, but. Uh... Also, Dan Hawkins' squad didn't look great when they didn't have Land Larison. Brian says Sac State. I'm also going to go UC Davis here, so we're going to really split this one down the middle. Uh, if you go through the comment section here, uh, yeah, Sac State, Tom Kendall, UCD, Nick Weber, UCD, Bart Holt. Let's get weird, Taylor Cash, Davis by 10. Sac, dirty as fuck. Hope Davis wins this. Captain 58, Steve Kurtz, Sac wins and qualifies for the playoffs. And Crewhead76 putting the bu the button on it, Nutsack State wins. So pretty pretty mixed one. I think this is, honestly to me, I think this is going to be the game of the week. I think this is the one that's going to be the closest. Uh, it's uh, certainly not the two best teams on paper matching up, but I do think this is going to be probably the most fun of the games. Also because I have no rooting interest. It doesn't matter to me which team wins or loses this game. With that said, guys... The big one. The brawl of the mild. They're going to love the fact that I said that. Montana State at Montana, number three at number two. Martin, I know who you're picking, but give me the reason anyways. I, 
feel like Montana State, they just need that, that big win and they just need to shut up their little brothers in the state. I tend to agree with Martin. I I I think I think I'm gonna go. Where is this game at? It is at Montana. Oh my god. So it's Shit, I could have just said it was in the state of Montana, and then I could have just really left you spinning there. You uh, really no. could have. It huh? is at Wagres. You know, they, they've been kind of defying the odds all year. No one kind of gave Montana anything. And, you know, just, just to make my job a little more fun, I'll go Montana. Treve going Montana. Martin going Montana State. Brian going Montana. I would have loved to get his thoughts on that. Brian coming from a Montana household. Uh, obviously he's got the Montana side and all of his research and stats, but unfortunately that SRS hit a little too hard today. Uh, hitting the comment section before I give my thoughts, Tom Kendall can't pick FTG. Got to go cats. Roger Dorn, Montana 30, Montana state 28 after missing a game winning field goal. Probably wide, right? Haven't seen that before. Uh, Nick Weber, UM Austin Pimentel cats 56 Grizz seven. That is nuts. I actually wouldn't mind seeing that though. Uh, Steve Kurtz, Grizz over Cats, Bart Holt. I despise both equally. Montana, if it benefits Idaho, but the Cats probably win. Guys, this is the first time and only time in my life I'm ever going to root for a Montana victory. It's what Idaho needs to have the absolute best shot at a seed. I think that there's still a chance that Idaho gets a seed if they win and Montana State wins, but to the best chance Idaho's got is for Montana to win this football game. And unfortunately, I think Montana State is a considerably better football team than Montana. I know that Montana is number two in the country, but realistically, you take away that Idaho win. What else do they have? Not much. You look at every single phase of each of these teams. Okay, Montana's got them beat in special teams. That's that's for sure. But outside of that, I just don't see how Montana holds up against the Montana State offensive line. feel like they push them around. I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout. But I do think the Bobcats are going to win, which is just going to make this even more difficult for the Vandals. That game is early in the morning. It's 11 o'clock Pacific time. Vandals kick off at 4 Pacific time. So Idaho will know before kickoff which of these teams win and have a little bit better idea of what's at play, what's at stake. But it feels like because I've I've never wanted Montana to win a game before, like I have this one. It feels like it's Montana State tonight, guys. Or Saturday morning, I guess. It's kind of lame that's the morning kickoff, you know. It really is. It's a it's the worst time. That game feels like it should be a seven o'clock kick on ESPN two every year. I, I just don't understand why it's not. Well, it's lame too because you know the lead in shouldn't be eleven to four for Montana, Idaho. It should be four to seven for Idaho. You know, bingo. That that, that it should be that way. Yeah. Would make a whole lot more sense. Uh, going through the rest of the comment section here, uh, Crewhead76, Bobcats, Hauk is a douche. Don't care where he's at. Fully agree with that. Captain58, FTG, believe in my heart of hearts, MSU is better, but got a root for the Grizz. Montana by two. Bart Holt, Montana in overtime. Brian Kennison, shout out. Utah State 42, Donkey State 17. Uh, I'm going to go one better and say Utah State 69, Boise State 0, because fuck them, that's why. Uh, and then shout out Tom Kendall. Duck six, sharks one. Sorry about that. Dallas, can you spin for like two seconds? Yes, I can absolutely spin for two seconds because Martin. We might somebody might be joining. What I want to say before 
who I think is going to be joining us. What I want to say, guys, Tubbs at the club used to break news on occasion. Uh, you know, uh, kind of had had a big moment here a couple of years ago with a, a coach that may or may not have been getting fired, and then hey, Tubbs is the one who broke that. You'll notice we don't do that quite as much as more anymore. It's because we now have our patreon.com backslash tubs at the club where we have our discord channel set up that's where the news goes now we keep things private we keep things in-house obviously if we had to break some sort of major story like that yeah that would probably get out there but if you're wanting to keep on the pulse of vandal football our discord's a pretty good place to do it any sort of news about guys playing or or not playing that usually comes out in the discord first sometimes it's because we've got eyes there that can say oh hey Anthony Woods isn't in pads. He's on the sideline in the jersey, not in pads. Pretty easy to break that one. Other times, there are going to be things that we tell our, our patrons because we love and support them, and they love and support us. But sometimes we just don't say things out, out in the public. So if you're looking for some special news, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club, you might get some extra news this week if you go check it out. Only two fifty a month. Obviously, you can pay us more, and we we certainly are are thankful for that. But it's only two fifty a month to get in. I see now Martin, who is waiting for us in the lobby. I don't know if he's on the right track because it's dark. He's not on the right track at all. <laughs> certainly doesn't look like it. You've got it here, folks. Treep, the right track guide, is saying not on the right track. But Brian Marceau joining. Brian is live. trying to represent the blackout stuff. Yeah, uh, Brian, yeah. can you hear us? Yeah, 100% chance I'm on my drive back home from work. But uh, you guys can hear me, right? Yes. No, okay. actually, we can't hear you. Yes, you sorry, Brian. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm responding yes because I can, I can hear you. You are live on tubs at the club. I forgot that your grandpa, Brian, you wouldn't have been able to understand that I was I was joking about that. Yes, you are live to the world. Okay. No, dude, hey, uh, you brought up the Montana-Montana State angle. And, okay, the intrigue for me in the matchup is, okay, that's a league, like elite FCS-level strength on strength. Of In Big Sky play, Montana defensively is allowing 2.3 yards per rush. Uh, it is easily the best in the Big Sky. And, like, the second best is UC Davis at 3.2. After UC Davis, it, is, it feels like Montana and number three. And then, of course, Montana State is the best rushing team in the nation. So there you go. Uh, yeah, and Montana itself, I guess one of the things that they're about Montana, Dodge, you brought up what have they done other than Idaho. Well, they beat the shit out of Sacramento State 34-7. to uh, If you watch that game, Montana broke Sacramento State. I mean, hell, last week Sacramento State barely handled Cal Poly, and they've benched Caden Bennett since then. So, you know, Montana is essentially the hottest team in the FCS other than, like, South Dakota State. So, hey, that's the intrigue on that on that matchup is can the nationally elite Bobcat ground game, how is it going to handle the nationally, nationally elite UM rush defense? And, you know, hey, factor in last three or four games, Montana's putting points up on the board. And when they're doing that, hey, they're just a different team. Brian, I know you've picked Montana, and I know you just gave us reasons why, but can you give us a specific key to the game of why you're picking Montana over Montana State this weekend? You know, like, the big thing for me is, of the things Bobby Houck does as a coach, 
when his teams are when his teams harness momentum, like they handle it in a way that just other teams don't. And how like Bobby Houck has has that team believing that they're you know that they should be the number two seed. They should be playing in a championship, you know, through the FCS playoffs, not just the big sky. And the last, honestly, since Idaho, Montana has been playing like a team that's essentially, essentially believes they can kick the shit out of anyone. And that's all, that's all they've done since the Idaho game. So it's, it's this weird thing where to me, it's intangible, but Montana's like Montana looks for real. They also have the single best defensive player in the big sky, Alex Gubner on the D line, the single most disruptive guy in the conference. He's kind of the key to everything they do. And uh, yeah, I mean, dude, the the Grizz are hum- when the Grizz are humming like this and Hey, Clifton McDowell has, he's become comfortable and Montana's putting up points. Uh, they're just different than what, what they were for the first half of the year. And again, you can also look at them post Idaho. They have been killing everyone since they beat Idaho by two. Brian, you said humming and all I can think about is hashtag only tubs. So uh, gotta be honest. You totally lost me there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, Alex Gubner, absolutely incredible player. And I, that is a great, great point to make. Uh, they've got the biggest disruptor on their side of the field. So uh, not, not something that's a bad sign necessarily if you are again one of the vandals that unfortunately has to root for montana this weekend if you want to see idaho get a seed but brian you're the one who i have no idea where the hell you are it it's just pitch black any final thoughts before we wrap this show up uh yeah hey the sacks just the sack state uc davis game worth thinking about um sacramento state benched caden bennett so they're starting carson conklin true freshman it's the second start he started against um he started against Cal Poly, but he also played about three quarters of the game against Idaho State when you know Sac State won 51-16. So he's a much better pure passer than Bennett, but he doesn't like he's not a threat on the ground. And then uh, just playoff picture, like hey, you hit the big points, but just a couple things for Vandal fans who are new to the like selection process. Um, the, some of the games to pay attention to, you hit Delaware and Villanova. That's a huge game to pay attention to because whoever wins that, they're going to finish with one loss in the CAA, which is you know, like the number three conference in the FCS. Mm-hmm. So you'd ex- you'd expect if uh, Delaware picks up that win, they're for sure going to finish above Idaho. But if Villanova picks up the win, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to jump. Um, the North Dakota State, Northern Iowa game, I'm nervous about that because – uh, if there's a team that I think is going to get bullshit historical selection committee points, which that absolutely exists, that absolutely happened North, with North Dakota State last year, is North Dakota State. You know, if, if North Dakota State wins, they'll be tied at eight and three with Idaho, and I, that makes me a little bit anxious that North Dakota State's history, which weighed on their selection last year, will weigh on their selection mm-hmm. again. So those are kind of the things that make me nervous. Of course, a hey, Patty Furks brought up if Idaho wins, they should be a seed. I think they should be too. But, you know, there's a world where if everything breaks against Idaho, then suddenly you're, you're in that human error area of are you going to be seven, eight or nine where you don't get that by. So, uh, you know, if Idaho can, if at least like if North Dakota State can lose or if Delaware can lose or if Montana can win, um, I think if any of those three things happen, Patty's probably right about the seed. Uh, if none of those three things happen, then you know we're we're watching Sunday morning, wondering what in God's name is going to happen. 
that's a good tease for sun Sunday morning. Treve, you're going to be there. I believe it's at nine thirty in the morning. Is that correct? Too early for me, but yeah, nine thirty. So, the there we go. We got the right track guide. Hopefully, keeping the Vandals on the right track this weekend and on the right track on Selection Sunday. Treve, any final thoughts for you? Uh, even just want to tell the people where they can find you, which I would hope all of them know by now. But hey, shameless self promotion is is always a good thing. Hey, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can, at Treve Talks. That's where I'm the most uh, active. And uh, if you want to read my stuff, you can on the Loose and Tribune. Um, it's the best way you can support me. Most of my stuff's on Twitter. You know, I live tweet a lot of the games. I'm covering a lot of Idaho men's and women's basketball right now. So, you know, you want to stay in the loop with that, make sure you drop me a follow as well. You know, the uh, the right track guide never sleeps. I got to make sure I uh, – point the original team that I was trying to point in the right track on the right track uh, here this basketball season. So with that said, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of tubs at the club. Again, you can follow us along on patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. It's only two fifty to get in. You can obviously pay us more if you'd like, but it's a great place to hang out and talk Vandal football uh, home games. It's a little bit quieter because there are a, quite a handful of people that go, but even if you're not, uh, it's a great place to hang out. Great place to talk people, uh, talk Vandal football with people that aren't necessarily the doom and gloomers on the All Vandals board, which can be great at times, but I know that it does rub people the wrong way on occasion. With that said, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you, Treve, for being here. We very much appreciate you. Brian, any final thoughts from the darkest pit of hell that you're reporting from? No, no, dude, other than it's just, dude, it's just so goddamn crazy football season, regular season's coming to a close. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hit our closing thoughts whenever the year's over, but, uh, you know, if you can get to the dome, get to the dome, it's buy one, get one half off tickets. So if you can make it, uh, you know, essentially every person we can get there, it's going to matter. Uh, this is, uh, you know, you guys hit all the huge points on the two teams, but Idaho getting a seed in the second year would be a huge damn thing for Idaho. So if you can get, if you can get to the dome, I'll be there. I'll see you guys there at four o'clock. Yeah. Brian, uh, kind of alluding to it a little bit there guys, it is senior night. We got to get guys, got to get bodies in the building to say goodbye to some of these seniors. This might be the last time we get to see them in Vandal uniforms in person. If things don't break our way. Uh, very last thing, Brian Kennison uh, asking me multiple times my thoughts on Boise State. Unfortunately, Brian, I didn't want to bring them up because I think Boise State did the right thing by firing their coach. I was hoping for a lifetime deal for Avalos. Uh, obviously, you could watch that program just completely collapse. Last year, honestly, was the collapse. I know that ended it ended last year really well, and he got, I think, uh, even Mountain West Coach of the Year. But everybody that was paying attention to Boise State football knew that Dirk Cutter came in and saved that program for that year. And then the second he was gone... Boom, the whole fucking thing collapsed. Unfortunately, they understood that as well and pulled the plug. I am afraid that they will get the higher correct. Hopefully, they won't. They got it wrong last time. There's nothing that's changed about their decision-making process. I think they're still going to screw it up, but I will say that at least they've got a coin flip now rather than knowing it was the wrong guy. So for us as Vandal fans, that's a total bummer, but who cares? Fuck them. They had a bad year. Hopefully they lose out. Don't make a bowl game. Two big middle fingers right down there to the center of the universe. Four o'clock, guys. Idaho, Idaho State for the former Battle of the Domes. The current, hopefully, King Spud game. With that said, guys. Go Vandals.
Go Vandals. Uh,